as Caleb said, we're, um, not only are we singing about suffering this morning, but uh, we're also going to be talking about suffering. And, the, and, and this morning is kind of a, kind of a one-two punch. It's kind of a two-step uh, deal that, uh, because we're, we're going to talk about Job here this morning. Uh, and then at the 1045 class, the, re, the Bible recap class that we've been having at 1045 as we've been going through the series, uh, our counselor, Don Emmett, he's going to do a group therapy session, okay? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't need your copay this morning, okay? Uh, but uh, he's going to talk about uh, counseling. Uh, he's going to talk about suffering and from the standpoint of a counselor and uh, would love for uh, just everybody to go. And if we need to get more chairs in there, we'll get more chairs in there. And so that's where we're going uh, this morning. And I hope you'll take advantage of that. So um, we, uh, there, there's nothing um, really more certain in life than, than suffering. Uh, sometimes it comes in the form of disease. Sometimes it comes in the form of disaster. Uh, sometimes it comes in the form of death. And, and when, when we suffer, it's, it's so natural to ask what question? Ask the question what? Why? Oh, okay. We are all on the same page this morning. I think we're all experts in suffering, okay? Uh, because uh, it's natural to ask the question, why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why her? Why him? Why, why them? Why, 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 why? And, and there's no piece of literature that addresses suffering and the question why better than the book of Job. Now, now, one day we'll come back and we'll do a whole series on, on the book of Job, okay? Um, but for our series storyline, what we're doing is we're going through, uh, through the Bible uh, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, and seeing the single thread of a story that runs through the whole Bible that points us to Jesus and his gospel. And we're going to see that today. And so we're in the book of Job. Now, um, most, most scholars put the book of Job somewhere um, in the middle of the book of Genesis, okay? So we just finished Genesis, and so we're, we're putting Job uh, kind of where he belongs and, and, and in order and sequence of events. And, um, and right out of the gate, as you know, we talk about, and, and we're just going to be in chapter 1 today, um, but right out of the gate, the text gives us a major insight about how you and I are to walk through Suffering, And so three things that the text shows us uh, about suffering and, and the question why. Let me just give them to you up front uh, and then we'll suffer together through this. Um, but uh, there, there are no easy answers. Okay, when it comes to the question why, there are no easy answers. And I think we all know that. Um, w- secondly is we need to embrace living without knowing why. And that's the hard, that's the hard space that, to live in. Uh, when it comes to suffering. And then third is we need to hold on to the theology of grace. And this is what's going to get us through suffering. So if you brought your Bibles this morning, turn to your table of contents and find the Old Testament book of Job. Um, Job is going to be right before the Psalms, but we're going to back it up to where it really kind of belongs. But Job chapter one this morning, if you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. But Job chapter 1 this morning, and uh, before we get into it, let's just kind of read the first few verses of Job chapter 1, because it kind of gives us some insight about who Job is and and, and what he's about. So, 
uh, chapter 1, verse 1. says, in, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. And this man was blameless and upright, and he feared God and shunned evil. And he had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and had a large number of servants. And he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And so basically uh, we're being told that, that Job is a very wealthy and very successful person. Okay. Then we get a little glimpse into um, him as a dad in his spiritual life. Verse four, it says his sons used to hold feast in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. And early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular custom. And so what, we've know, what, we're, what we know about Job and his family is that his kids could throw some serious ragers, okay? that his kids knew how to party. And Job's just trying to be a good dad here. And he's thinking, okay, just in case, you know, they went a little too far, just in case they had a little too much fun, just in case they sinned in their hearts, he, he would offer up prayers and sacrifices on their behalf. So this is the kind of person Job is. He, he's, he's very wealthy. He's very successful. He, he has this love for God and he's a great dad, okay? And so, so we see what kind of person Job is. Now let's kind of get into the text and, uh, and, answer the, and see that there are no easy answers to the question why, okay? And uh, we all want to know why, but here we get into this incredible dialogue uh, between God and Satan. Look at verses 6 through 11. It says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There, there is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright and a man who fears God and shuns evil. We'll come back to that. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed his work, the work of his hands, and that so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan, Satan is like, I mean, you think, you think Job is so great? He's not that great. He's not that good, basically, is what uh, Satan says. In verse 12, And the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but the man himself do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And when he went out from the presence of the Lord, Satan unleashed hell on Job's life. Now, now what we see here in... We see this relationship between God and suffering. And as we read the text, we need to notice that it's not God's idea for Job to suffer. Okay, It's Satan's idea that all these bad things would happen to Job. And so we have to remember this. Okay, We have to remember that God is not causing these things to happen to Job in Job's life. But God is allowing it. Okay, That, that God is still in absolute control. 
in the midst of Job's suffering. Now, now we know, we've all suffered to some degree that we know what it's like when we suffer and we know how we feel. And it doesn't feel like God is always in control, right? It, it doesn't feel like, like God is present. It doesn't feel like God is right there with us. In fact, if anything, there are times when we're sitting in that doctor's office and hearing the news that we don't want to hear, or we're going through that, that breakup or through that difficult relationship, or, or that we're you know, going through that season of unemployment. It doesn't seem like you know, God is there. In fact, it seems like God has forgotten about us, right? But here what we see is that God is still in control even though Job is suffering. And in our lives, even though when we suffer, it may feel like God is not close by, but God is present and he is in control. So God, he is allowing these things to happen in Job's life. And, and, and he, he allows the suffering, he allows the limit, he allows the evil, but, but notice that he limits it. That he puts limitations on the suffering that, can, that Satan can bring into Job's life. And God says, you know, you can do this, you can do that, you, can, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't touch Job. And Satan is bringing all this suffering into Job's life because he wants to discredit Job and expose him as a fraud. And yet here we are thousands and thousands and thousands of years later talking about Job. Now, now this is how God works in our lives, okay? God hates evil, okay? Um, and he hates suffering, but yet he still allows it, okay? And, and, and even though we walk through suffering, he is still in control. And, and that we may think that, you know, when, when we put our faith in Christ, that, that we shouldn't suffer any longer, that we shouldn't experience anything, anything, any hardships in our lives. And sometimes we think after we put our faith in Christ that when we suffer, that God is punishing us. But what we need to remember is that when Jesus went to the cross, all the wrath, all the punishment for our sin came down on Jesus, okay? So there is no more punishment left for us, okay? So suffering, okay, God can allow suffering to come into our lives for maybe discipline, okay? He, he may allow it to come into our lives to, to, to accomplish something that otherwise he couldn't accomplish. But, but here's the deal. Job never finds out why. He, God never tells Job why he had to suffer. In fact, you get to the end of the book of Job and Job is having this conversation with God, this dialogue with God. And Job, he, God never tells Job why. He had to suffer because there are no easy answers. There are no pat answers when, when we think about why we have to suffer. But Job's life is seen as an example. Job's life is seen as something that we can hang on to during suffering. And it has changed the way thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people view suffering today. That God basically says to Job, he says, Job, hey, listen, I know you don't like this. Okay, and none of us like suffering. But God says to Job, I know you don't like this, but I need you to remember that I am in complete control. And that there is something more here. 
that's, that, that, that there's something more here that's, that's, more, that, that, that's not just about you. That there's more at play here. There's more at stake here than just what's going on in your life. Because I have the big picture in mind. Remember, I'm God and I'm in control. And I can see from eternity past into eternity future. And so when we suffer, we want to ask the question why. But there are no easy answers to know why we suffer. And we may not know why we suffer, but we know who we can suffer with. And we know who has suffered for us in his name is Jesus. So we may not know why. There are, no, there are no easy answers to the question why. Second thing that the text points us to is that we need to embrace living without knowing why. Go back to verse eight. It says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on, on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So, so this word fear, it literally means this inward awe and wonder towards God. That, that God says, Job loves me and he serves me out of his love for me. And Satan's like, no, he doesn't. God, I mean, who, who do you think you are? Who do you think Job is? He doesn't love you for you. He loves you for the stuff you've given him. He loves you for the things that you've done for him. He loves you for what, you're, what he's getting from you. He loves you for the money. He loves you for the success. He loves you for the wealth. He loves you for the health. He loves you for the status. That's why he loves you. He doesn't love you for you. He loves you for your stuff. That's the, that's the argument that, that God and Satan are having. And when, and when Satan says this, he pretty much describes the entire human race. Because people tend to use other people for what they can get from that person, right? I mean, people tend to use people for, for what they can get from that person. And once they can't get anything from that person, they don't really have any reason to be around that person. They don't have a use for that person anymore. And this, it, this happens in the workplace. It happens at home. It happens at school. It happens in relationships. It happens in friendships. And every single one of us are guilty of manipulating and using people to get something from them. But you and I, we also very much well know what it's like to be manipulated and used by other people. And we have to discover how to love people just for who they are and not what they can do for us. And we have to discover the same principle when it comes to God. And unfortunately, one of the best ways, if not the best way to learn how to love God and to serve God just because he's God is to go through suffering. And as, as you continue to read chapter one, Job loses everything. I mean, these, the, these raiders come in and, uh, they, you know, they, they take out, uh, all of his, all of his sheep, uh, they are all of his oxen and his donkeys. Um, then, uh, there's, uh, there's a fire that, uh, from God that falls from the heavens and burns up all the sheep and the servants. And, uh, then there's some other raiders that come in and they, they take away all his camels and then his Kids are having a party and this wind comes and it knocks down the house and all of his kids are killed. I mean, he's going through the ringer. And Job loses all of his money. He loses all of his wealth. He loses his entire family, but we still find him worshiping God. 
In other words, what we see in Job's heart and what we see in his life is this attitude that all these things aren't nearly as important to him as God. And as we get deeper into the book of Job and when we do a series uh, about him or as you read the book of Job, what we're going to find is that Job, um, he doesn't love God just for the things, okay? He loves God uh, for who he is, but he does but it's not complete in his heart just yet. He doesn't love God just for the things, but he doesn't completely and totally love God just for who he is yet. And the only way for God to make Job this, into this great man of faith is to have Job suffer and not tell him why. You see, sometimes we think if we know why, if we just knew why we were suffering, we could handle the suffering, Right? I mean, if we, just, if we just knew why we were going through this health crisis, maybe that would get us through, uh, you know, this, 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 this crisis. If we just knew why we were going through this hard relationship, if we just knew why we were go- having this difficulty with this friend, if we, just knew, if we just knew why, if we just knew why we were suffering, then that could get us through the suffering. Or, or sometimes we think, well, if I could just... If I could just see how this was going to work out, if I could see that I'm just going to have a better job after I lost this one, if I could just see I could have a better relationship, if I could just see how I could have, you know, better health or what this is going to do, you know, we think if we could just know why we were suffering, then that would get us through the suffering. But think about this. You see, if we knew why we were suffering, or if we even knew how it was going to end up, then suffering really couldn't do its complete work in us. You see, if we knew why, let's say God said, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you how this is going to end up, and it doesn't end up the way we wanted it to end up, well, then we're going to turn into you know, this, these naysayers and say, you know, we're doomed, we're never going to make it. And that's going to be our attitude as we walk through that season of suffering, if we knew how it was going to uh, end up. Or if we, knew, if we knew how it was going to end up and it was going to be something better, then we really wouldn't be loving and serving God just for who he is. We're going to be loving and serving God for what we're going to get. And the only way for us to really know that we're loving and serving God just for who he is and not what he gives, or not how things are going to work out, is to go through a season of suffering without knowing why. And that's the reason why we can't know. That's the reason why we don't know always why we're suffering. See, if we knew the reason why we were suffering, we would never become the person that suffering can make us. You see, for instance... I mean, I'm a recovering people pleaser, okay? Um, and, and for a long time as a pastor, my, my success was defined by if people liked me or not or by how many people were there on Sunday mornings. And so I was just constant up and down. Now, I'm still kind of constant up and down, but, but my hope is in Christ, my foundation is in Christ. But when I wasn't a pastor anymore, when that was taken from me, if I would have known that, hey, on the other side of this, that there's going to be this church called Gospel City Church, and that it is going to be so much more than you could ever dream that it could be, 
then, then I wouldn't have become the, the person. I would have never gotten over my people pleasing. I would have never gotten over of constantly feeling like I was enough. I would have, uh, wasn't enough. I would never have discovered the gospel and that in Christ is my, is my identity and my approval and my acceptance and my significance if I would have known why or how this was going to end up. See, suffering can only do what it, its complete work in us when we really don't know why, because it's that point that all we have is Christ. It's at that point that all we have is God's love for us. And so if we really want to know how to love God for who he is and serve God just for who he is, then unfortunately we have to be willing to go through the ringer without knowing why. So how do, we, how do we walk through suffering? Because we're all gonna suffer and there are no pat answers, there are no easy answers. We're gonna have to embrace with not knowing why, but how do we get through suffering? Because some of us are going through suffering right now. Some of us will be going through suffering soon and some of us eventually will go through some type of suffering. So how do we get through it? Well, we need to hold on to the theology of grace. Look at verses 20 and 21. So Job has just lost everything. And at this, Job got up and he tore his robe, shaved his head, and, and then it fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. And the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. See, in his pain, in his suffering, he holds on to the theology of grace. He doesn't say, God, how dare you take these things away from me? Notice that? He doesn't say, God, how dare you take my, my wealth? How dare you take my houses? How dare you take my kids away from me? I've worked hard for these things. These things are mine. How dare you? That, that's, that's the attitude in a lot of our hearts when we lose something. But he says, I, I came into this world naked and I'm leaving naked. And naked means that we are vulnerable and helpless. In other words, in, in, in Job's heart, his attitude was everything that I have is on loan from God. Everything I have is a gift from God and is a gift of grace. Now here's the deal. Watch, listen, don't miss this. If we build our lives on the things that make us feel important, okay, if we build our lives on money and wealth, if we build our lives on title, uh, on our titles or, or our success, if we build our lives on our relationships or if we build our lives even on our family, on our kids being dependent on us and, and, and whatever that is, whether it be money or achievement or relationships, when suffering comes, it's gonna be, we're gonna see it as something that's pulling us away from those things. When suffering comes, when our lives are built on that, we're gonna see su suffering as something that's ripping those things from our hearts in our lives. And if that's what we built our life on and suffering starts to pull those things away, suffering is just gonna make us sadder and sadder and madder and madder. And in our hearts, it's gonna be, how dare you? Or if we build our lives on God's love for us, in other words, if God's love is our ultimate, if 
God's love for us is our, is our ultimate wealth. It's our ultimate status. It's our ultimate source of approval and significance and security. When suffering comes our way, it just drives us deeper and deeper into God. You see, we can either we can either try to hold on to the things of the world and when suffering comes, it just rips them out of our hands and our hearts and we know what that feels like. Or if God's love for us is our ultimate, when suffering comes, we just cling to the cross. And his suffering just drives us deeper and deeper into the cross. God's love for us. That's the theology of grace that somehow, some way is in Job's heart. And that's the reason why Job became Job. And that's the reason why Satan is ultimately defeated. And Job held on to the grace, even though he didn't have the whole picture like we do. He didn't have the resource to understand like we do. And I don't know how Job knew it, but I can tell you how we know it. We look at the cross. Because centuries later, Satan tortured and assaulted another innocent man. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross naked. He died on the cross screaming out, why am I suffering? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Job suffered, he was only relatively innocent. But when Jesus suffered, he was truly innocent. Job only felt abandoned by God. You and I only feel abandoned by God, but Jesus was actually abandoned by God. And Jesus was the one person to love and serve God and get nothing out of it. And so why did he do it? He did it for us. He did it out of his immense, deep love for us. That the ultimate sufferer willingly died on the cross because that's how much he loves us. And so as the band comes, I just want to leave you with just a couple of reminders. Jesus didn't suffer so that you and I would never suffer. Jesus suffered so that when you and I suffer, we become like him. When you and I suffer, it may feel like God is not there. It may feel like God is not in control, but God is absolutely in control. And he's wanting to accomplish and he's wanting to do something in us and through us that can only be accomplished by us walking through suffering. He's not punishing us. Now he might be disciplining us, but he's not punishing us. But he wants to transform us into the image of his son. And so when we suffer, if our lives have been built on the things of the world, when those things are torn from us, we will be mad and sad. Or if our lives are built on God's love for us, it will just drive us deeper and deeper into God's love. And we're going to respond, but uh, we're, we're going to start up our prayer partners again. And our prayer partners are going to be in the back of the room and uh, in the back corner over there. And so as we process, as we hear things on Sunday mornings, you may be like, 
man, I need to process this with somebody. I need somebody just to pray for me. And you can, they're back there for you during the last song to be able to just, you can give them all the details or you can give them limited details and they're just gonna pray for you and encourage you, okay? And that's what they're there for. And I hope God is moving and God is working and God is stirring and God is healing and God is comforting because God can only do what he can do. And that's what we pray every Sunday morning is that God would do what only he can do.